Hey there, my friend, and welcome to another episode of the Mark Struchowski podcast. Before we get into the podcast episode today, I want to invite you to head on over to my website, overwhelmsucks.com. Yes, you did hear that correctly, overwhelmsucks.com. Pick up my free guide, 10 Quick Ways to Conquer Overwhelm. I know that when you're overwhelmed, the last thing you want to do is read a long report, so I intentionally made this free guide simple to read and most importantly to implement so get your free guide 10 quick ways to conquer overwhelm at overwhelmsucks.com and on this episode of the mark stuchowski podcast we're going back to the archives all the way back to february 12 2018 this is from episode 67 my guest today is ray leone now in case you are interested on these sunday episodes from the archives i go back to the original recordings and completely re-edit them so this is like a brand new recording enjoy this episode from the archives on today's episode i'm interviewing ray leone ray thank you so much for being on the podcast today Thank you. I appreciate it. Look forward to trying to help as many people as we can today. Excellent. Now, I'm going to, I try to keep these podcasts evergreen, but I'm going to tell everybody who's listening that we're recording this on January 3rd. At the moment, it's 25 degrees where I am in Houston, Texas, which is crazy. Ray is in North Carolina where it's 13 degrees and he had has frozen pipes. So this is how dedicated we are to bring you this episode. So just I want my listeners to understand the sacrifice we're making today. So, Ray, before we get into the interview, I want to put the context of who you are for my audience so they know who I'm talking to. So tell us who you are and what you do. I am the holder of the trademark to the sales funnel. I believe it's the most copied system on the planet. I have licensees around the world that teach my process. I'm a member of the Million Dollar Roundtable of the National Speakers Association, which says you have to prove you earn a million dollars to get into the room. And I guess I'm one of the few people that are a seven-figure guy for many, many, many years. And my goal these days is to try and help as many speakers, trainers, et cetera, that I can to achieve their goal. I never charge anyone anything for anything that I do that is in my profession. That is rare these days. That's incredible. Thank you for sharing that with us. Well, you know, it's interesting. I'm old and I don't, and, and I don't need money. Uh, things are good. And as I look back at my own personal career, there were so many people that helped me along the way. And as I get near the end of the journey, I'm trying to help as many people as I can to return the favor. That's such an awesome attitude. I wish more people had that attitude and stopped making it about them. And it sounds like you're just the opposite. You're out there and helping as many people as you can instead of being selfish. So kudos to you. Good job. Thank you. Let's talk about books. Are there one to three books that have greatly influenced your life? Interesting that when you posted that question for me to ponder, I went back to eighth grade. And my, my principal of my school in eighth grade thought I was too money hungry and he made me read the autobiography or the biography of Mahatma Gandhi and the one on John Jacob Astor and, and to do a book report on both. And at the end, I said, I still wanted to be John Jacob Astor. Oh, funny. <laughs> <laughs> so but but from that was my first book that I really think, think about that I read and thought about my future. So starting in eighth grade, I was money motivated back then. Wow. But then there's a book. I used to be in a swimming pool business, and, and I was very lucky in Washington, D.C., and I built swimming pools for senators, congressmen, 
tremendously successful people. And one gentleman was Dr. Sheldon Glass of the Glass Mental Health Clinic at Johns Hopkins Hospital. And he wrote a book called Life Control, How to Assert Leadership in Any Situation. And he wanted to go in partners with me. He says, his theoretical knowledge and my practical knowledge, we could do wonders. And one of my regrets was not doing that. But that book had a profound impact on me. And the problem is, the last time I told somebody that, they went and bought every book that was available in print. So I don't think you can get it anymore. Oh, wow. But the, well, the premise was brilliant. It was that every event goes, goes through four stages. The introductory phase, which is attached with excitement and euphoria and optimism, resistance testing, where, geez, why shouldn't we do this? Then you're getting once you get through resistance testing, you get to the productive phase of something, and then the termination phase. And it, you, you even start with life. You look at a baby, introductory phase, resistance testing is adolescence, and if they don't get out of resistance testing, they end up in jail. Hopefully, most of us are in the productive phase, and then the termination phase. And, and each phase has certain characteristics. And he said there were certain personalities that were best in each one of those phases. And I thought about it from selling. When somebody comes to you, what phase are they in? They could be, let's say that I've done many of these still many times. So I could use good examples. You go and you, you buy a, uh, you're go buy a boat and you get really excited about going to, so you run out to the, to the boat show. Well, you're in the introductory phase. Well, what if you thought about buying a boat and then you and your wife or your significant other and you're sitting there saying, well, is that a good use of our money? That's the resistance. Should we really do it? Where would we store it? And you have to get past that to get to the productive phase. So it's always I found it interesting. Where were these people when they showed up in front of me? Sometimes they're going through resistance testings in front of you. Sometimes they've already done it. The other thing he pointed out that I found incredible about this book is we don't place enough emphasis on a termination phase. So if you and I are in a project and we really worked hard on this project and at the end we were successful, there's a sense of loss associated with that. Even buying that boat, once you buy a boat or anything that you've been going after for a long time and you finally buy it, now you actually own it, there is a sense of loss because you can no longer go look for it. And I analyzed my own life and I thought about that. Says, man. This thing makes so much sense. So that particular book, then even though I don't like this personal gentleman, when I recommend his book, you know, the material has got to be good. Uh, Tony Robbins made me a promise and he didn't keep the promise to me. So I really have a problem with that. But unlimited power. I was uh, I used it to quit smoking when I was 36 years old. And it, it is the gold standard for NLP, in my opinion. And, you know, every other book he wrote after that was kind of like just putting together and recycling stuff. But Unlimited Power on its own is a magnificent book. And I used it to great advantage to quit smoking. And I used it when I went in for my quadruple bypass heart surgery in 1989. And back in those days, you were in ICU two days. You didn't get out of hospital for five. Well, I was out of ICU in one, home in three, and doing a keynote speech in Atlanta 11 days after quadruple bypass heart surgery. And I used the techniques in that book to, to do that. Wow. So those, that's what I thought about that were so impactful. However, I've read a book a week for over 40 years on business leadership or human behavior. Good I for you. That a, 
Well, that's 2,000 books. Wow. And if you only get one idea per book, that's 2,000 ideas. Mm-hmm. So you and I were competitors with the same IQ, the same everything. We started day one, and I read 2,000 nonfiction books on my discipline. And the average college graduate, by the way, does not read one nonfiction book a year. Look at how far ahead you are of your comp- of your competitors. And a lot of people ask me, because I, I don't read as much as you do, but I do read a lot. And people ask me, well, how do you find time to read? I said intentionally. And I actually put it on my schedule, reading time. Because if you don't intentionally find time to read, you won't stumble across time to read. Would you agree with that? That's true. Well, And I, one thing for me, back in the in most of my career, I was doing a lot of flying. And again, I can't. Now, this is, I can't do what I'm going to share with you reading for pleasure, but reading for information, I can read a 200-page book in about an hour. So on a typical flight from Atlanta to somewhere, I've gone through that book, and I've, and I've dog-eared it, highlighted it, and, and sucked out all the valuable data. But, you know, I can't read it. I'm not reading every word. I know how to scan a page and pull out the important stuff. So I can, I can just churn through books like that. And it's a good habit to get into reading for pleasure, sitting there by the fire, enjoying and you know, savoring every word. When you're reading for information, read for information and suck out that information and then categorize it and, and, and put it in your file the moment you get. So when I get off the plane or even on the plane, I put it in my computer, what I, what I liked about it, and just to remind myself to, to think about it and follow up on something later on. So Thank you for sharing that with us. Well, let's move on and let's talk about failure. Um, how has failure or apparent failure in being productive set you up for later success? Do you maybe have a favorite failure of yours you could share with us? Man, I got – man – I, I my main keynote speech when I first got into the business was called Failure Way to Success. And every failure in my life led to greater and greater heights of success. And the one point I would want to make to everyone listening to this podcast is that failure is not a person. Failure is an outcome. And failure should be celebrated. Because that means you tried something that was beyond your capability. I recall talking, I I sold a pool to this guy one time, and he was proud of the fact he said he never failed at anything. I said, that's really sad. Are you telling me you never did anything that was outside your comfort zone that you actually couldn't achieve? That's pretty bad. So let me give you some failures. I worked for RCA. I used to write software. On a Monday, I was promoted to program manager at Virginia Catholic University and head of the IT department for RCA. On Friday, RCA announced we were out of the computer business and 13,000 of us hit the street. So I decided to go into sales for job security, and everybody laughs when I tell them that. Because if you know how to sell, you can take that skill anywhere. So I went into sales, but I never had sold anything. And remember, I used to write software. And so I analyzed the sales process the way I would write a computer program, I flow charted it. And that's when I trademarked a sales funnel. And most people think of a sales funnel as pipeline management. That has nothing to do with the sales funnel that I created. It's a psychological process that occurs from hello to contract. What are the steps that has to occur for you to start out as a stranger and end up as a client? And that's pretty difficult. So, and then I became the number one swimming pool salesman in the world. Oh, wait a minute. Before that, I started out in the land business, selling land. And we were selling off-site land in Albuquerque, and and then all, 
all site. And then the company, it was Horizon Land Corporation. They were in the New York Stock Exchange, big time organization. And they decided to close down their off site sales because people were misrepresenting, not me. I took my people out to look at the property. But it, it, so they shut down the off site sales. So I'm getting a haircut in Fairfax, Virginia. Guy next to me is the sales manager, Anthony Pools. He said he had heard of me. And he said, do you want to come to work? I says, well, what do you guys do in the wintertime? He says, well, I go to Hawaii. <laughs> I said, no, <laughs> really? <laughs> so, I, so I went into the swimming pool business and in one week converted the sales funnel I developed for the land business to the swimming pool business. And within four months was one of the top sellers. And then by the third year, it was the number one swimming pool salesman in the United States. Wow. And that's how my speaking career got launched. People would wonder how I did it. So think about this. If RCA hadn't gone out of the computer business, I'd be dead by now because the stress level of that job was horrible. But the moment that it happens, you're really feeling bad. You need to look at it as a new opportunity. And here's the other thing. And I've thought about this in my own career, and I'm guilty of this. Has success prevented you from achieving your lifetime goal? I've been very successful financially, and in my later years, I've gotten complacent. And shame on me because I no longer had that hunger that I had in my first 20 or 30 years. And if I had kept that hunger, I'd probably be a household name around the world by now, but I didn't need to do it. Mm. So it was amazing how the failures actually catapulted me to higher and higher success. And it's, it's how many people that would be listening to this podcast are doing something that they don't want to do, but they're afraid to move on. And I, and I would have and I was that same person. And I, I wish I could tell you that it was my own personal courage and fortitude that decided, no, I got fired or lost my job. So it was something that made me do it. But if, it, if I wasn't made to do it, I probably would have been in this career that made me miserable the entire time I was doing it. Now, I don't want them listening to miss that. Okay, folks, did you hear what he said? If you aren't doing what you love... Ray, I want you to say that line again, because I think I think some people listen to podcasts like when they're cleaning their house or they're on the commuter and they're just like half paying attention. They really need to understand what you just said. So would you say that line over again for us, please? Well, I don't know which one you're referring to, but the one is, has success prevented you from achieving your goal? Right. Are you complacent and afraid to move on, uh, even though you're not doing what, what really motivates you? So, you know, people ask my wife if I'm always like this and I am always like this. And by the way, I'm 76 years old and most people think I'm 62. That's the the average guess at my age because I have a high energy level and I look young, way younger than I am. And I truly believe it's because I have virtually no stress in my life. I am happy. I'm, I'm, I'm always energized about what I do. I love helping people. I've looked forward to this podcast. I'm not going to make a dime on it, but I look forward to it as a, as a way to help other people. So whatever it is, if you can get up every day passionate about the day in front of you, then life's just, it's just, a, it's just a wonderful role. And here, let me give you one more thought. And what I have, a, a, I'm tr- I've been working, here's another good example. I've been working on a book for five years. It's done. 99% done. The last 1% I haven't bothered doing. I'm f- finally going to get it out. But it's called Raise Rules. And each rule was came about as a failure or a mistake that I made. I didn't get a deal, and I developed a rule. And one of Raise Rules is wherever you are, be there. Mm. When you're working, work. When you're playing, play. So many people at work aren't giving it 100%. So when they're playing, they feel guilty. I have guilt-free play. Ah. I love to hunt fish and play poker. When I'm in a tree stand, I'm not thinking about work. 
When I'm out there fishing, trying for that marlin or dolphin, I'm not thinking about work. And when I'm working, I'm not thinking about fishing. Wow. Wherever you are, be there. Man, I, I can tell you right now, Ray, people are going to listen to this podcast several times because you're dropping so many value bombs. They're not going to get it all the first time. So, folks, don't stop now. At the end of the podcast, do yourself a favor, replay this podcast again, because we have several more questions to go. And if you've already gotten so much value in the first three questions, we still have nine to go. So buckle up, because here's question number four. Ray, I believe even someone like you who is very successful, very productive, you have at least one weakness when it comes to getting things done. What is that weakness of yours, and how do you overcome it? Well, I don't know if I've ever overcome it, but I like to have fun. (laughs) (laughs) and i'm a big procrastinator if if it's between fun and doing work i I, well again that's now but in my 30s i work so hard i can't tell you i work six and a half days a week the only day i took off were friday nights because that was my son's soccer game i never missed a soccer game of my son, who was an All-American soccer player, who was athlete of the year in Anne Arundel County, and at the last game of, of his high school career, came up into the stands and crying and, and 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 hugged and kissed his father in front of all his buddies, my macho son, and said, "Thanks, Dad, for being at every soccer game I've ever played in." Wow! I can't tell you how much and how important that was to me. So again, wherever you are, be there. I worked hard every day, every day, every day. And to be the best you can be, sell as much as you can sell, whatever you're doing, give it 100%. So that day, if somebody wanted to buy something from me, they weren't buying it because I wasn't gone. Wow. So, but as, as the years went on, procrastination, I mean, I got into a complacency stage. I'm sorry. I mean, that's that's the reality. But I do have, and this is interesting, I, I wish that I had become more world-renowned because I know a lot of people out there to do what I do this is terrible to say this, are not as good as I am, but they're more famous than I am. However, I believe that I have a really great balanced life. I have three incredible children that love me. I have a wife of 46 years that loves me, and we just enjoy life. And I have so many friends that sacrifice their family for their career and their miserable souls to this day. And so I never did that. So I think I do have a balanced life. And uh, so I don't know how much of that was a weakness, but the weakness, I do procrastinate. There's just no question. The book should have been out three years ago. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. Let's talk about your strengths because you know, we talked obviously before this uh, podcast and I know you have a lot of strengths, but if I, ha- if I said to you, Hey, right, what is your biggest strength when it comes to getting things done? What would your answer be? And the second part of that question is this strength. Did you come about it naturally or did you, someone teach it to you? Interesting question. I've really thought about this one. And I am naturally a right brainer. But my my background's mathematics and computer science. I worked for the Atomic Energy Commission at Princeton University in the early days. So the first 10 years of my working life were left brain jobs. But I'm naturally a right brainer. Therefore, by accident, not on purpose, I developed the ability to analyze problems with my whole brain and the day and the studies used to say if you're a left brainer and then you utilize your right brain a one plus one might equal three (laughs) well they found that one plus if you use both sides it equals five to ten so my ability well my ability to solve problems is incredibly high and specifically 
big giant global sales deals with, of complex, high complexity. Uh, I am just uh, really good at that. In fact, I have a lot of clients that pay me retainers just so that they can call me and talk about the strategy that they want to execute on a deal. And I can look at a problem and know exactly what it takes. And that's a right brain, left brain. So whatever side of the brain you are, if you're a left brainer and you're more logic and data, then try and rely on intuition and maybe go read the book Blink, which talks about, you know, the first thought is generally the right one. If you're a right brainer and mostly think on emotion, start using more data and analytics. And if you train, you use the opposite side of your brain, a whole new world opens to you. So I think the the whole brain concept and EQ, emotion, I've been focusing on emotional intelligence the last 10 years. Those combinations of things are, I think, what did it for me. But again, the first one, again, was not on purpose. It was by accident. I've been really blessed to get lucky through life. There's no question. Okay. Well, the, yeah, go ahead. Before I forget, listen, before I forget, you know, I had a radio show for about 10 years in Charleston, South Carolina called How to Win the Game of Life. And I got to interview some great people, one of which I, I interviewed many times was Zig Ziglar. Ah, yes. And I had Zig, and this, and this is, I mean, I remember this experience and I smile every time I think about it. It was during an NSA convention, National Speakers Association convention. And so it came up into my hotel room. He's sitting on his bed. His wife, the woman he lovingly always called the redhead. He never, I don't even know if I ever knew her name. <laughs> he always called it red. And she was sitting on the chair and he's on the one phone and I'm on the extension and we're calling in remotely to the radio station and we're getting to the end of the show. And I said, Zig, a lot of people listening to this program are going through tough times. What would you say to them? And, and I've heard some of the greatest speakers in the world for a long time. And I only can remember a handful of things that they said. I mean, word for word, the quotes. And, and what Zig said is one of them. I just, I love it. I love telling it because it makes me remember him saying it. And I'll try and do it the way he did it. Again. Well, Ray, I would tell them that it's down in the valley where they grow the food to climb the mountain. I, I'm, and I swear to you, I'm getting chills just telling you that because every time I hear it, I, hear it, I get I get excited. I said, "My God, that is marvelous! That is marvelous!" So it's down in a valley where you grow the food to climb the mountain. So if you're feeling tough times, and again, remember, you know, Les Brown, what's his speech? That which does not kill you makes you stronger. Got overwhelm? Then you need to get my free guide, 10 Quick Ways to Conquer Overwhelm. This free guide will help you quickly deal with overwhelm so you can get back to making the impact you've dreamed of. Get your copy for free at OverwhelmSucks.com. Well, I heard a a Bible study teacher told me once that uh, you're either coming out of a trial, in the middle of a trial, or you're about ready to go into a trial. So life runs in cycles. And so if you're having it really easy now and everything's going well, be careful because you're not going to have life easy for the rest of your life. It just doesn't happen. It, we live in a cyclical life. I agree. Well, let's move on with this next question. What is an unusual habit or an absurd thing that you love? Well, let me tell you my main hobbies. I love to hunt. I love to fish. And I love to pay, play poker against the best players in the world. I, and I'm passionate about all three of those. I don't I, anymore. I don't even consider poker gambling. I consider it competition. I think I think the reason I'm now so enthralled with it, it's the only thing 
on the planet, unless you can come up with one that I don't know, that you can compete against a world champion and actually have a chance to win because of the 30% luck factor involved. And to, and, I, and I just, I'm going to play in some big tournaments in, in the month of January too, actually one in Baltimore and one in Jacksonville. And I know the big guns will be there because it's pretty significant money and they'll always be there. And I love playing against these guys. It's just, it's just so exciting. <laughs> Imagine if you could walk onto the, onto the tennis court and go with Michael Jordan and actually have a chance to win. I mean, come on, that'd be so cool. It's unbelievable. Yeah, great. Also, well, I'll give you one more. I used to shoot uh, tournament archery. I shot in the World Indoor Archery Championships about 50 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> archery. Wow. That takes me back to the year. I used to go to YMCA when I was a little boy, a long, long, long time ago, and I took archery. So that immediately when you said that word archery, a picture flashed in my mind about doing archery at YMCA. <laughs> it's so funny. Right. In the last five years, what new belief behavior or habit has most improved your productivity? Well, I, the focus on emotional intelligence. I've just, I, I, about a year or two ago, I trademarked a, a new system called whole brain selling. Because as I've analyzed uh, my clients' losses over the last few years, and the, the fortunate thing I have is in a position to see thousands of deals where if you're a salesperson out there in B2B world, you might work on 10 deals a year I'm working on 10 deals a week. So I'm, I've worked on 100 lifetimes worth of deals more than someone else. And most of the losses are right brain issues, not left brain issues. So I've been really focused on an emotional intelligence. Those of you like me who might not have 199 uh, IQs, take heart. Only 20% of high IQ people outperform average IQ people. However, 90% of high EQ people are successful. And the good news is you're born with your IQ. You really can't improve that. But your EQ is learned. Therefore, you can grow your EQ dramatically if you focus on it. So the last four or five years, I've really focused on emotional intelligence and concentrating on that. And I don't know if you how you consider this, but I about five years ago, I licensed somebody in Europe on the sales funnel and I gave them exclusive rights to Europe and they teach now in about 20 languages, the sales funnel process around the world. So the, the EQ and the licensing are the two things that I focus on the most in the last five years. But again, it's made me lazy. Those royalties checks keep coming in. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, Ray, if you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere in the world with anything on it and, and millions and billions of people would see this billboard, what would your billboard say and why? Well, it's my radio show. I actually used it as a, just like that. I didn't use it to make money. I used it to give back to the community. And the sign-off of my radio show was, live every day like it might be your last, because one day you're going to be right. <laughs> I love that. That is so awesome. Because you're right. It could be. I mean, you never know. There could be a satellite fall out of the sky and when you're out walking the dog and kill you and not the dog. So that's very good. I like that. That's, pretty, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, so let, me, let me give you something that goes along with that. Most people do not have a life goal. Think about that. Even if they do, what have they done day to day to achieve their life goal? Let me give everybody a little hint. This is New Year's. Everybody talk about the New Year, New Year's resolution. Put on your mirror in your bathroom, whatever it is your life goal. And then 
at the end of the day, look at that mirror. What have I done today to help me achieve my life goal? Most people go through every day not doing anything to move towards their life goal. And I call that committing suicide a day at a time. That's what I would put on the billboard. All of that. <laughs> I hope they're driving. I hope they're on uh, the L.A. freeway and the traffic's moving really slow. <laughs> um <laughs> Ray, I know you share with us that you're you're 76. If you could go back and talk to a younger you, let's say back in elementary school years, um, what would you tell them that you know now about getting things done, about being productive? What would you tell a much younger Ray? Well, if you go back to elementary or high school is I forget who I, I can't take credit for this quote, but what other people think of you is none of your business. Stop worrying about what other people think and just do what, what, you know, go march to your own drummer and never pay attention to your guidance counselor. Because if if your guidance counselor knew how to get a good job, they would never be a guidance counselor. (laughs) I love that. That is. (laughs) They told me that I would have a job to work with my hands. I can't turn a screwdriver. (laughs) Well, did you ever take any of those assessment tests? Oh, God, I took a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. They, that mine said I, I should be in agriculture. I should be a farmer. It's like, what? <laughs> a farmer? <laughs> no, I could not see me out in the farm. I'm sorry. That will never happen. Yeah. <laughs> the other, when I wrote down the answer to this question, the, the last one you just asked, I thought about not so much going back to high school, but in my early career, the mistake, in, the biggest mistake I made was not being passionate about creating and collecting my database. That was a huge mistake in my career. I have, and people used to come to my office. I had an office, a training center in Charleston. And I had stacks of paper, thousands, where when I would go give a speech, and by the way, I think everybody should do this if you're a speaker or a trainer, and the bottom, of, uh, I'd ask for a critique, how did you like the program? Can, may I have a quote? Not a comment. I wanted a quote because I wanted to be able to quote the people that that whatever they wrote. And then at the bottom, it says, I need your help, which I believe is the most powerful phrase in English language. When you say I need your help, people are immediately trying to figure out how they can help you. I need your help. All of my business comes from referrals or repeat business. Who do you know would benefit from what you've experienced today? I had thousands of those and I never called a single one of them. Thousands. Because I had enough business. How bad is that? Wow. I that mean, I is... some the president of these companies, a guy's at a senior VP at IBM, the guy's husband, woman's husband was president of a bank. I mean, I mean, when you look at the list of referrals I had, it was disgusting. And I never compiled them. I just stacked them. And because I never wanted for business. And and by the way, when I first got into speaking full time. I did two things. One is I went to Ty Boyd's Executive Speakers Institute for two days. I believe that cut like five years off my learning curve to be a better speaker. The other thing I did as I went to High Point, North Carolina and sat at the foot of Nito Cobain, the, the original president of the National Speakers Association, Cabot Award winner, I mean everything. And I'll never forget this. He pulled out a desk drawer with hanging files. There were 12 of them. And he says, Ray, that those files, each one is a million dollar a year retainer. And he had 12 of them. So he had $12 million in retainers. 
He says, you need to get an anchor account. And if you get an, what an anchor account is an account that, you know, on January one that will cover your nut for the year so that, you know, if you never sell anything, at least you're not going to go broke. You're going to do that. And then you make decisions without commission breath. (laughs) I really want this deal because I really need it. You go into it with a whole different perspective. So that was in the mid eight, early mid eighties, and only one year my entire career did I not have an anchor account, and that, that was absolutely phenomenal. Imagine waking up today, knowing that if you didn't sell one more deal, you'd have a six figure income, no matter what. Wow, that's pretty strong. Yeah, because then he also said to me, and I want everybody to think about this one. I, I'm Nito. Would I'm telling you the anchor account that he get, and the other thing is. Never enter a contract which with you would be angry to complete. How many people take a deal lower than they really want to get and they're angry when they're fulfilling the contract because they sold it too low or they sold it or they entered into a contract with somebody they really didn't like? Well, when you have an anchor account, you never have to do that. One more little tidbit. Many of us would be better looking at the beginning of the year and say, which client should I fire? How many of us have a customer that takes so much of our energy and sucks our, our, you know, our attitude and, and, and all of that away from us? And they're generally they're the least profitable and the least productive for us. So when I go around the world and I say, I say to people, how many of you have a customer you wish you could fire? Virtually every hand goes up all over the world. And the problem is they knew it when they sold it. Because the person was sending off every vibe on the planet, they were, they were going to be a jerk. Man, you're bringing the you're bringing the value today, Ray. Wow. When you have those feelings, when the world is crashing down around you, you feel overwhelmed, or maybe you have moments where you become unfocused. What do you do during these times? <laughs> you really want to know? <laughs> do you scream and throw things, or what? <laughs> no, I get a glass of wine. <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, that'll work. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then I tell my wife to handle it. <laughs> All right. Well, that's, I will that's say that's the first time you're the first so person happy. ever said that. You're the first person in the that's podcast has ever so said happy. that. <laughs> yeah, my, wife, I, I, my wife is miserable. I'm happy. See, I have, I have the perfect wife. She, she backfills every single weakness that I have. I mean, every single one. By the way. This is not science. This is only personal experience. I believe that people with opposite personalities with similar values make the perfect couple. My wife and I are totally opposite in personalities, but we're all about family. That's what we're about. Interesting, because my wife and I have the same thing. That's, that's pretty interesting to hear you say that. She is the one who's always – the glass is always half empty. To me, not only is it half full, but when I'm not looking, somebody's going to fill it up for me. <laughs> if I had listened to my wife every time when she said, I don't trust that guy, you better watch out. I'd have so much more money because she was always right. Well, well, that's awesome. Well, thank you for being transparent and sharing us uh, about the wine. I really appreciate that. Um Give us a peek inside your productivity toolbox. You've been around for a while. Are there any go-to apps, software, processes, systems, you know, that you go to when you want to be really productive? Actually, my go-to is reading. Okay. I mean, that, that's what always takes me. I, when, I, when I sold my office building, 
I gave over a thousand books to the library. And the last time I went in, they said, please don't bring us any more books. We don't have any room for them. And so that has been the big thing for me. And but the latest thing I'm discovering is Zoom. I'm, you know, you and I talked about this yesterday because I was having trouble with Skype. But Zoom is being do so many things. Oh, by the way, the million dollar roundtable. And there were about 40 people in that room and we were all sharing ideas. And the one idea that I'm working on now a lot is when you reach out to somebody, it should be three dimensional. I said, that's interesting. So, for instance, this one woman sent a tube with a map on it and allocating where all the places they would do stuff. So a three dimensional and three to four minute video clips for everything. And I'm working really hard and I'm using Zoom to do that because Zoom really does a great job on the video clips and I'm going to start posting a lot of those. So instead of sending a, a written proposal, you might send that along with it. But a three minute video introduction to the client and telling them stuff like that. I just I just see that being of such high value. And I'm working on getting more and more people. Again, I haven't been passionate about this, but I did it when I first went on LinkedIn I got about 13 or 14 people to put video testimonials on LinkedIn. They're powerful. I haven't, but I haven't had anybody put any new ones on lately. And I'm going to work on more and more because the video testimonial, when you hear a CEO or a big gun in a corporation saying, I've used race techniques. And as a result, we've doubled our sales. That's a whole lot more powerful than reading it. Absolutely. So the, I'm working more on the visual aspect of it. Okay. Well, where can we find you online, Ray? I would like everybody, the one thing I would like, and again, this is where if you post a question on LinkedIn, I will answer it. So if you have any, and I have two groups, I have salesfunnel.com as one group and whole brain selling. They're my two groups that I respond to constantly on LinkedIn. So if you have any questions, go there. My two websites, of course, are salesfunnel.com and wholebrainselling.com. Anything else? Well, the, the, the thing is that if someone's a speaker or trainer and if you want copies of my contracts, my licensing agreements, how I do a proposal, anything, I'm happy to give it to anybody. Wow. That's very generous of you. So what you can do is you can contact Ray through salesfunnel.com, through LinkedIn, through wholebrain.com. Ray, this has been a tremendous, delightful time with you. Lots of value. I can't emphasize enough people. You got to listen to this podcast two or three times. There is so much value. I mean, it's, yeah, it's going to take time, but hey, do you want to succeed or not? It's your choice. So listen to the podcast again, because I guarantee you, you missed something. Ray, thank you so much for these value bombs that you dropped all throughout the podcast. It was such an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski podcast. I really appreciate your time and attention. Before you go, I'd like to ask you for a favor. If you have not subscribed to this podcast in your podcast player of choice, would you do that right now? This way, every time a new episode comes out, you will be informed. Second thing is, while you are subscribing, please consider leading a rating and a review 
review. This helps the podcast get discovered. And the third thing, I know I'm asking a lot of you. The third thing is, if you know of someone who can use this episode right now, why don't you just share it with them? Every podcast player that I'm aware of makes it really easy to share an episode. So if you're thinking of a family, a colleague, a neighbor, a friend who needs to hear this episode, go ahead and hit that share button and send this podcast to them right away so I can help them like I helped you. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back real soon with a brand new episode.